0: Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to give you an opportunity to sow seed. You know, this uh, kind of got stirred in, stirred in my spirit because I was sharing this at, um, I'm teaching on New Testament survey class in the Bible school, and we were talking about First and Second Corinthians the other night, the, the letters Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and, um, and then we were talking about, and then we, we got to the Philippian, the letter to the Philippians. Now, the Philippian church is the Macedonian church that he mentions here, so just to give you a preview, and the letter to the Philippians is the letter of joy, right? The theme of Philippians is joy you know, the, the the key word that's repeated over and over again in the letter to the Philippians uh, is joy or rejoicing. And it's interesting that the apostle Paul wrote that epistle while he was in prison in Rome. So it's one of the prison epistles, but he writes on joy. But he is writing to this Philippian church, okay? So I just want to qualify, give you a little background. So, And then you know, the Corinthian church got a lot of rebukes, especially the first letter was a lot of rebukes, a lot of correction. And in the second letter, he was kind of comforting them for some of the, you know, corrections they made. But let's pick up right there now that you have the background. Go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Okay, so that's Philippi. So Philippi was the capital of the region Macedonia. Macedonia is a region. Philippi is a city, right? Philippi is the city where, remember, the jailer got saved, you know, and um, so Philippi was the city where the revival broke out because Paul and Silas were thrown in prison, and they started to, you know, at midnight rock and roll, and then there was a Holy Ghost earthquake. And But Philippi was an interesting city because... So Paul's talking about this grace that was bestowed on the Macedonian churches, so that would be Philippi, okay? So the letter to the Philippians was written basically to Macedonian churches, and it would be written to a a city, but it would probably, was circulated in all the churches in the region, right? So moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So there was like a special grace that was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, Okay? Now, this was not a grace that was bestowed on any other area, but this was a grace that was bestowed on the Macedonian churches. Amen? <clears throat> that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, see, there's that keyword joy, and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality, right? Or generosity. So even in their lack, they were very generous and they were joyful. So you can see, you know, and and here in America, I mean, you know, I would have to say the most blessed nation on earth. People are miserable. They have all kinds of stuff, but they're miserable. And then you go to other countries and I've traveled in third world nations and I've been in parts of Turkey that's very, you know, third world and been to Africa. I mean, people are very happy. They have very little, but they're joyful. They're free. They're generous. I mean, when it's time to give, they come celebrating and dancing and giving and the offerings and everything. So It has nothing to do with the amount of resources or money or material things you have joy and this because there was a special grace you see grace is supernatural grace has nothing to do with the natural grace has to do with the supernatural endowment of God that was upon them right so they had an abundance of joy says in severe tribulation their abundance of joy and their depth of poverty together have overflowed in wealth of lavish generosity On their part that's what the amplified says so they were generous and they were joyful givers and corinth on the contrary is a very wealthy city it's a port city it's a trade city very very wealthy and then here is philippi macedonia kind of landlocked kind of rural area you know very rural corinth is the big city you know the wealthy city the financial capital the trade capital I mean, you know, and everybody comes through Corinth, and then here's Philippi, kind of looked down upon, but then they're generous, they're joyful, and there's this supernatural grace that's bestowed upon them. Amen. Let's pick up verse 3. I'm going to keep reading from the Amplified. says, for as I can bear witness, they gave according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, and they did it voluntarily. Amen. So they not only gave to their ability, they gave beyond their ability. Isn't that amazing? That they gave beyond their ability. Hallelujah. Begging us most insistently for the favor and the fellowship of contributing in this ministration for the relief and support of the saints in Jerusalem. So they were begging to give. Pastor, can we please give? Can can you just please, can you just please, Pastor Buckets? Pastor, please. Can we please give? Pastor, I know there's not a service today, but can I please drop off a check? I just, I just feel like giving right now. I was just driving down the road worshiping Jesus, and I got hit with the joy, and I just want to give right now. You know what this is the good thing is you don't have to drop off a check you got all these electronic ways to give you can sell you can cash App, you can do credit cards you can do all kinds of stuff now you know so it's not that hard but you know um and and it's great because I'll, I'll be honest with you you know throughout the week we get all kinds of offerings at this church you know some churches only function on what comes in on sunday literally our people give throughout the i mean throughout the day the people throughout the week people just give people give on a monday people give on a tuesday People give on a Wednesday when there's not even a service. People give on a Thursday. People give on a Friday. Sometimes Friday and Saturday, we receive more than, than Sunday. So I'm not, you know, we're not, the church doesn't run on the Sunday offering. The church runs on the generosity of the people that have grabbed the hold of these principles. And they're always joyful. They're always giving. Amen. And they're begging to give. And they're breaking down the doors. Hallelujah. <clears throat> nor was this gift of theirs merely the contribution that we expected. But first, they gave themselves to the Lord, and that's the key. First, you've got to give yourself to the Lord, right? And then to us, his agents, by the will of God, entirely disregarding their personal interests, they gave as much as they possibly could, having put themselves at our, at our disposable. To be directed by the will of god look at these people man they first gave themselves to the lord then to us and then they keep giving as much as they possibly could as much as they possibly could amen now i don't recommend this i'm not saying you do this but i'm just going to tell you right now you know there have been times when i didn't have the funds to give But I had a credit card and I'm not telling you to give I'm not I'm not telling you to run up your credit card But the Lord instructed me to sow a seed on my credit card And I saw a supernatural breakthrough I mean obviously not only was I able to pay off my credit card, you know the charge on the credit card But I saw a supernatural increase, you know There was one time that I came from Turkey to conference in Tampa and I gave all my stuff I mean after the first two meetings it was gone and then I'm sitting there in the third service and I'm like Okay, I've given everything I got. And the Lord says, no, you haven't. I said, well, you know, I gave all all my cash. He said, you got a credit card. And he instructed me. I mean, he spoke to me. So I'm I'm, only do this if God really, really speaks to you. So I'm, I'm, you know, do you understand me. So I'm not advocating that you run up debt giving, but you got to, obviously, you got to be led by the Lord. So the Lord instructed me, sow a certain amount. And I I did. It was $1,000. The Lord instructed me to sow it. And I still had my bills to pay. I still had to pay for my you know, rental car that I was using and the hotel and everything else. But by the end of the week, I had $10,000 coming. People just kept coming up and putting money in my hands. Somebody walked up to me and said, hey, I want to sell this for Turkey, put a check in my hand for several thousand dollars. I mean, it just just kept coming. And I believe that it was my obedience to obviously giving on my credit card. And I'm not telling you to do that. But if the Lord does speak to you, just know that you can. But you've got to just be instructed by the Lord you got to hear from the Lord, okay? You know, you can't just get that, you know, and because I, I remember one time, you know, we were in Bible school. This kid, this one of the students, he sewed his car. The Lord told him to sew, give his car away, and he did. And then he got a brand new car, you know. I mean, it's just like the Lord gave him, did a miracle. And then there were several other students that gave their cars, and they, wrote, they had to ride bicycles for the rest of the year <laughs> because the Lord didn't instruct them to give the car. So you can't just copy somebody else you got to have a word from God. That's just what I'm saying. you got to have the rhema word. But once you have a word, and that's what it says, you know, they, they made themselves at our disposable to be directed by the will of God. you just got to be directed by the will of God or the word of God. You know, if God speaks to you, then you got to do it. All right? So much so that we have urged Titus that as he began it, that he should also complete this uh, beneficent, and gracious contribution among you the church at corinth now as you abound and excel and are at the front in everything i like that they're in the front in everything in faith in expressing yourselves in knowledge in all zeal and in your love for us see to it that you come to the front now and abound and excel in this gracious work of alms giving also so you can see giving is a gracious work. You need the grace of God to give. And when you are a giver, you tap into a grace that non-givers don't tap into. Because God's grace is always his response to faith, right? I mean, by grace, salvation is available to all, but not everyone is saved. You have to have faith to be saved, right? Those who put their faith in Jesus, make him the Lord of their lives, right? You believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth, that's faith, Right, This is the word of faith which we preach, that if you shall confess, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So who is it that's going to be saved? Those who believe and confess. Faith. Those who apply their faith are the ones that receive the grace of salvation, grace of healing, and the grace of provision, and the grace of God's you know, supernatural increase and provision in your life. Come on. Amen? So givers are going to tap into a level of grace non-givers cannot tap into because it takes faith to give. And why were they such great and generous givers? Because they first gave themselves to the Lord. Then he says, then to us, and then of course, whatever the will of God was for them. Hallelujah. So we are to excel in this gracious work of giving. He says, I give this not as an order to dictate to you, so we don't manipulate here, you will, not find, you will not have manipulation here. We do not manipulate people into giving. Some places, they'll manipulate you into giving. I mean, they got pliers and they'll take your gold teeth. I mean, there is a lot of manipulation, pressure. We don't. I just teach the word. Here's what the Bible says. We pray and you obey the Lord. And it's going to come from your heart. It's going to be freely. Freely you have received. Freely you must give. So, you know, you got to give in grace. Not, you know... Not as basically, you know, obligated or not under pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. Because one thing you you know you can't give cheerfully when you're when you're pressured to give. And I have been in meetings, other places, where I felt a lot of pressure. Man, there was so much pressure. They made you feel like you were going to go to hell if you weren't the, one of the ones that was going to give a thousand dollars and maybe uh, you know. Uh, I don't know, it was uh, October 23rd, so you had to give $1,023, something like that. You know, some word somebody pulled out of the book of imaginations. <laughs> and I mean, they literally made you feel like you were going to go to hell if you didn't give. And I, I just said, you know what, I'm not going to give because I, just, I can't give in this environment of pressure and manipulation. So we do not put pressure and manipulate. We share the word, and people have to respond in faith. And so that, my job is to share the word. Your job is to hear from God and do what he tells you to do. We don't run people's lives here. I don't tell you what to do. I, I don't tell you whether you can or cannot buy a car. You should or shouldn't buy a car. I mean, there's some churches, people can't even buy a car unless the pastor tells them it's okay for them to buy a car. And I've heard of people that come from places like that in this city. Pastor, I want to buy a car. I'll believe with you to buy the best one. You get some wisdom, make sure you're doing the right thing, but I, I, I don't run your life. It's not my job to run your life. It's my job to teach and equip you with the Word, that you have enough Word in you, that you develop a prayer life, that you're able to hear from the Lord. That's the bottom line, you know. Uh, I don't, we don't make decisions for people. We give them the Word, they make their decisions. And then they're responsible for the decision they make before the Lord. When people come for counseling, counseling, I don't make decisions. I tell them this is the right decision, this is what the Bible instructs, this is wisdom. Now you go make your decision. Because they gotta know that, know that they know that they heard from God. That it wasn't, because if I talk them into it, somebody else is gonna talk them out of it. If man talks them into it, another man's gonna talk them out of it. <clears throat> but if God is the one that has spoken and they know it and they have a confirmation, then they can just obey knowing that they are doing the will of the Lord. And this applies for every area of life, especially in the area of finances. You have to have wisdom. You have to have wisdom in what you're doing. Amen. Hallelujah. So I do not give this as an order to dictate to you, but to prove by pointing out the zeal of others, the sincerity of your own love also. And here's that big, big uh, statement. For you are becoming progressively acquainted with and recognizing more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness, his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor and spiritual blessing, in that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor, in order that by his poverty you might become enriched Abundantly supplied. So this is actually a part of the gospel. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the gospel. A part of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, his death and burial and resurrection and the finished work of the cross actually redeemed us from the curse of poverty. Jesus left the glories of heaven. The riches of heaven came down to the earth. He became poor for our sakes. And when he went to the cross, he became very poor. I mean, he was stripped even of his clothes. He had no clothes left. They stripped him. Think about that. Amen? He was left with nothing. They mocked him. They put a crown of thorns on his head, which actually represents the curse of poverty. He took off the crown of glory and crown of gold as the king of glory, king of kings and lord of lords. He left heaven, came down to earth, became a mere man, and then took on a crown of thorns which basically represents the curse of poverty because when Adam and Eve fell and they were cast out of the garden, remember the part of the curse was, now Adam and Eve actually were never cursed. God never said, I curse you, Adam and Eve. He never said, he said, the ground is cursed because of what you have done, because of your sin. The ground is cursed. You will toil, you'll work hard, you'll sweat, you'll toil, and the ground will yield for you What? Thorns and thistles. So that was actually a sign of the curse of poverty. So Jesus Christ, taking the crown of thorns on his head, was taking upon him the curse of poverty. That's why we are now being acquainted, getting a revelation and an understanding of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Part of the gospel is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, is that we have been redeemed from the curse of poverty. We have been redeemed from the curse of poverty. Poverty is a curse. And poverty is a mindset. That's why. And and poverty causes more mental anguish in people's lives. More depression than anything else. And it's usually up here. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. Worry and anxiety is up here. The mental anguish that lack produces in people's lives is up here. But Jesus took the mental anguish of, and the pain of poverty and lack on the cross, in order to redeem us, right? He became very poor so that through his poverty we might be made rich. And people say, "Well, that just means spiritually." Of course, spiritually, being born again is being spiritually prosperous. But it's more than that. Prosperity is more than just spiritually spiritual prosperity. Of course, you have to have that because I mean, what what good is it to have billions of dollars and still go to hell? Amen. So, to be spiritually prosperous is to be born again, to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power, having the gifts of the Spirit operating in your life. Come on, somebody, having the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, having the fruit of the Spirit being cultivated in your life where you're just overflowing with joy and peace and the power of God is in you. I mean, that's spiritual prosperity and abundance when you're overflowing with the power of God, filled to overflowing, having the richest measure of the divine presence, Come on, somebody. Having the richest measure of the divine presence. That's spiritual prosperity. But then you read John, uh, 3 John 2. It says, Dearly beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, right? Even as what? Your soul prospers. So prosper in all things. Be in health. Even as your soul prospers. Then the other part that needs to prosper is your soul which is your mind, your will, your emotion. So now you have to get out of this, this, this mentality of lack and develop a mentality of prosperity, develop a mentality of abundance. As a man thinks, so we see. That's what the book of Proverbs says, right? As a man thinks, as a woman thinks, so we see. So if you think prosperity, you're going to attract prosperity. If you think poverty, you're going to attract poverty. Amen. So you need to, it doesn't matter where you're at right now. Well, I just don't have anything, pastor. Develop a mindset of prosperity. Develop a mindset of abundance. Believe God for big things. Believe God, believe God for increase in your life. Believe that prosperity is the will of God for you. Having an abundance for every good work is God's will for you. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Speak it. And rebuke every thought that comes to torment you, every thought that comes every thought of poverty that comes, every thought of lack that comes, every thought of anxiety and worry that comes to your mind. You know, when the enemy comes and, you know, starts to attack you, you how are you going to make it to the end of the month? Look at this. Look at the needs you have and da-da-da-da-da. Look at what you're coming in and look at what you need. And you need to take authority over that and say, I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. My God shall supply all my need according to his, come on, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I am abundantly supplied. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Al Shaddai. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. You need to speak it that way. You need to not confess your circumstances, but you need to confess the will of God for your life. And whatever you confess is what's going to manifest. Amen. Confession is going to bring manifestation. You will have whatever you say. Right? You will have whatever you say. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. I'm on this now, man. I'm I'm feeling it right now. I'm really feeling it tonight. Go to Mark chapter 11. Look at this. This is right after Jesus basically spoke to a fig tree, right? Didn't have any fruit. Said, let no one eat of you again. And the next day they're walking by, verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, what was he remembering? What Jesus said. Said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, by the way, Jesus never stood in front of the fig tree. He said, I curse you. He never actually used, the, I curse you. He never spoke, I curse you to the fig tree. What he spoke to the fig tree was, look at this, what he said to the fig tree. Let no one eat of you ever again. Let no one eat of you. So so the word was like a curse. Let no one eat of you ever again. So that was, so the word he spoke actually caused that fig tree to wither up from the roots. That's why when we speak to cancer, When we speak to sickness, disease, just like Jesus Christ, just like Jesus cursed that fig tree, I curse you, you foul spirit of death and cancer. I curse every tumor. I curse every growth in your body. I curse every infirmity in your body. In the name of Jesus, I command it to wither up from the roots and disappear and die and dry out and and be thou removed from your body in the name of Jesus. That's the prayer of faith. When, you, when you're praying for somebody, it's not, oh, Lord, if it be thy will. That, no, that's not the prayer you pray. You pray the prayer of faith. Amen. If it be thy will is the prayer of consecration. It, it's concerning consecrating yourself to the will of God. Amen. Jesus only prayed that prayer once, and it was at the Garden of Gethsemane. Any other time, he never prayed a prayer like that. When he was dealing with demons, when he was dealing with sickness, disease, he spoke to it with authority. Amen. He spoke to it with authority. You have to speak to lack with authority, you have to speak to poverty with authority, just like you speak, you have to hate poverty, just like you would hate cancer, just like you would not want to have cancer in your body, you should not desire to have poverty in your life, you need to hate poverty just like you would hate the devil, just like you would hate depression, just like you would ha- hate sickness, disease, cancer, you need to hate poverty and lack, you need to break the back of lack, and it's an enemy, and you need to attack it, you need to resist it, you need to rebuke it, and you you must not allow that thinking in your head. Yeah. Hallelujah. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus answered him after Peter said, You cursed the, the fig tree and it withered away. He said, Have faith in God. Another way to read that in the Greek is have the God kind of faith. What kind of faith does God have? Well, He God has God is a spirit, right? Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is a spirit. What kind of spirit is he? Is he a spirit of fear? No. Because he's not a spirit of fear, he's not given us a spirit of fear. He's a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. He is a spirit of faith. God is a spirit of faith. And having the same spirit of faith, what do we do? We believe his word and we speak his word. Do you think God believes his word? Whatever he has spoken, it's settled forever hallelujah have faith in God or have the God kind of faith be like God basically Christian be like Christ believer any believers in the house tonight who's a believer do your job believe your job is to believe and god's job is to do what you believe perform what you believe right all things are possible for them who believe when you believe god works hallelujah have the god kind of faith have faith in god have the god kind of faith be it, but assuredly for assuredly i say to you whosoever any whosoever here tonight who is a whosoever tonight whosoever are you a whosoever turn to your neighbor and say you're a whosoever aren't you God is no respecter of persons. Whosoever says to this mountain, Pastor, I got a big mountain of bills right now piled on my desk. I got a a big mountain of uh, 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 debt right now. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Whosoever shall say to this mountain. I don't know what your mountain is. Everybody deals with different mountains. Whatever is your mountain. You have to speak to it. Whosoever shall say to this mountain. Be removed. Be cast into the sea. One day I was meditating on this in the... And, and, and I was thinking why the sea and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me he said it's called the sea of forgetfulness not only will your mountain be removed it'll be forgotten that it, had, it even existed it'll be buried in the sea of forgetfulness not only will it be gone it'll never be even remembered he says when I do it I do it right I do it all the way glory to God Whoo. somebody's gonna come out of this place tonight and start moving some mountains be removed and be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes. So, wh- where do you believe? You believe with your heart. With the heart, a man believes. With the heart, a man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you got to believe with your heart. Not with your head, but you got to believe with your heart. But believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Notice three times the word say. One time believe, three times say. you got to do three times as much saying as you believe. Some people just believe, but they never say it. They believe and they're hoping and waiting that it'll happen you've got to begin to speak you have got to begin to speak things into existence that's what the spirit of faith does spirit of faith begins to speak things call those things which be not as though they were abraham knowing and believing he did not grow weary right in well-doing he did not grow hopeless he did not grow weak in faith amen even seeing the deadness of sarah's woman or his age or their circumstances but yet he remembered the promise of god he remembered the promise of God, Hallelujah. He believed, and he grew in faith, knowing that God is the one who called those things which be not, which basically says in the Greek, which doesn't exist, calls them, speaks them into existence. He speaks things that do not exist into existence. That's the God kind of faith that Jesus is talking about. That's why Jesus is not even moved the moment he spoke to that tree let no one eat of you again as far as jesus was concerned it was done that tree was done it's just that the next day the next morning the disciples saw the manifestation of that thing having dried up from the root oh look rabbi look look at that oh we're so surprised jesus like you're surprised have faith in god (laughs) it really did happen oh my god oh my god it really did happen Peter, (laughs) look, Rabbi, we thought you were just kind of crazy when you said that. (laughs) It really did happen, of course. That's why he says, for assuredly, like knowing for sure, for sure. Come on, say this after me. I know for sure, for sure. sure, sure. (laughs) It's like what we ask you. Are you absolutely sure, beyond the shadow of any doubt, for sure, for sure? (laughs) That you'll go to heaven if you were to die this very second. I don't know, for sure, for sure. I ain't sure of nothing. Would you like to make sure? For sure, for sure. 100% sure. That's what Jesus is saying. You need to be Sure absolutely sure for sure for sure that if you will speak if you will speak to this mountain and i I believe there must have been a mountain that that they were passing by because he's pointing to a mountain if you will speak to this mountain so that it has to be this it has to be specific mountain your 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 faith has to have a specific target your faith only works when there's a target Your faith doesn't work if it's just general prayers. Oh Lord, feed all the hungry. And yet, there's still hungry people because it's just a it's just a religious prayer that has really really just no bearing. Honestly, faith only works when there's a specific target. You have to aim your faith. Your faith has to be aimed. And one thing Pastor Ronnie taught me in the early days of my ministry, he said, you know, you can only aim your faith on one big thing at a time. Yes. And, and so, I mean, you can, obviously, you got a lot of things you're working on, but when you got a really, really big target, you got to focus your faith because you, you can't be all over the place. And that's what the enemy tries to do. He gets you to be all over the place, and then your faith never works because you're all over the place. But when you aim your faith... Bam, you hit that thing, then you move to the next target. Bam, you hit that thing, then you move to the next target. you got to do some tactical shooting. Take him out one at a time. Hit that steel plate, move to the next steel plate, hit that one, then go to that one, and then that one. Notice you can't just be scatter shooting and hope to hit something. A lot of people, that's why their faith never works. First, they never have a, any goals or aim for their faith, or, or they're just all over the place. You've got, to, you've got to aim your faith. You've got to have a target for your faith. You know what? Okay, Lord, this year, 2023, I'm getting out of debt. That is my main target. Or this year, I'm getting a house. This year, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a business. You know, this year, we're getting a building for the church. Whatever it is, we've got to aim our faith. You've got to aim your faith on something, and then you have to go after it, and then you have to take it, and you're going to have to take it by force because the enemy is going to try to resist you and he's going to try to discourage you or he'll try to distract you he'll either try to discourage your faith or he'll try to distract your faith notice as soon as you start aiming your faith for something all hell breaks loose and now now you got to pray for this this and this and this and this and this amount and that one it's just a bunch of stupid little distractions designed to keep you from aiming your faith and it happens a lot to me in ministry because as soon as i want to aim my faith to take the church to another level all kinds of nonsense start happening this one stirs up here that one stirs up this and then that one tries to steal my time and this one does does this and then i gotta deal with a bunch of petty bickering people and i just refuse i'm gonna aim my faith no i'm telling you right now you're gonna have to you have no other choice because without faith you will not make progress it's gonna take faith for you to break through and get to the next level man i'm preaching to somebody here tonight hallelujah I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so whosoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what, what things, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you have received them, and you will have them. So you can see, if you combine those two sentences twice, we hear, we see, or hear Jesus talking about believing, and actually five times speaking, because when you ask and you pray, so five times, so your your mouth has to be speaking. Your mouth has to be speaking. You have to speak, so you're... Your breakthrough, your prosperity, your provision, your increase, it's all tied to how you speak. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So your heart has to be full of faith. It can't be full of doubt. Remember, it says, who does not doubt in his heart. So you have to get all doubt rooted out of your life if you're going to see the plan and purpose of God accomplished. And you're going to have to believe it. You're going to have to speak it. You're going to have to keep moving in that direction no matter what happens, no matter what mountains Get in your way. You have to remove them. You have to remove the mountains. Hallelujah. And so the Macedonian church, they were not moved by their circumstances. They were not moved by their circumstances. They were full of joy. Hallelujah. And they were givers, and they were generous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get mommy's bag. You getting money for the offering? <laughs> without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah. And without faith, it's impossible to make progress. So faith is an absolute must if you're going to see a breakthrough. You can't just, you know beg God. You can't just, you know, hope and pray. I'm hoping and praying. That's not faith. I'm hoping and praying that someday, somehow, which day? When is that day coming? Someday. No, it needs to be today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of breakthrough. Now faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is always in the now. You have to always speak it now as if you have it and thank god as if you have it and stop struggling with lack take authority over lack break the back of lack attack lack you have to attack it you have to you you have to say i will absolutely not tolerate lack in my life i will not tolerate absolutely i will not tolerate lack in my life amen i'm not tolerating poverty i'm not tolerating lack I'm not tolerating living a substandard life. I'm not tolerating living a life that is not abundant life. I'm not tolerating living a life that is below average. Amen. Amen. When I can have exceeding abundantly more than what I can ask or think, according to his mighty power that's at work in me, why should I not then believe God for the best? Believe God for more. Amen. And just keep believing God for bigger things. Amen. Well, I just don't know. You know, I'm a single mom with five kids or I'm an elderly woman and, you know, I'm just a young guy. Uh, I'm a teenager. It doesn't matter. You need to. God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't look at age. He doesn't look at conditions. He looks at faith. He looks on the heart. Man looks on the outside. God looks on the heart. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? Where where is faith? Faith? Do I find faith here behind this tree? Is there faith over here? No. Faith is in the heart. So he's looking to see if there's faith in your heart. And when he finds faith in your heart, guess what happens? He starts moving on your behalf. He starts responding to faith. God responds to faith. He doesn't respond to begging. He doesn't respond to crying. He doesn't respond to, "Uh, if I just pray with this. No. He responds to faith. He responds to people that speak by faith. (coughs) When my wife was in Korea, they took her to this prayer mountain. The the young adults or whatever, they went to this prayer mountain to fast and to pray, I don't know, for three days or whatever. And then they they told her, you know, when you get up there now, and the Koreans, man, you know... (coughs) They said, now, you have to pray, and, of course, you have to get into a certain position. I don't know, like this fetal position. And then you have to, like, use this tone of voice. Oh, oh God, I got before you. Oh, God. And they, and they even teach you how to make the tone of voice. Like, like if, you, if, if you pray like that, God's going to hear you. And she thought it was just ridiculous. And they picked on her because she wouldn't do it. She said, Why can't I lift my hands and, and just sing praises? No, 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 no. You have to get in the fetal position. You have to stop. <laughs> That's religion for you right there. No wonder people are in bondage and never see a breakthrough. Hallelujah. Prayer Mountain, the special holy prayer mountain, 4 a.m. in the morning. If you get in fetal position and, 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 and have a Crying voice God's gonna move. No, he's not gonna move He's not gonna move because you're on some special prayer mountain He's not gonna move because it's the special hour of prayer 4 a.m He's not gonna move because you're making that no He's gonna move when he sees faith in your heart and you're speaking it out It doesn't matter where you are. You could be in the middle of the desert You could be in the middle of the city. You can be in a high place. You can be in a low place You can be in a pit God's gonna move when he sees faith in your heart and and you speak it out. That's what's gonna make God move. God moves when he sees faith. He doesn't move because you're crying and you're begging. He moves because you are speaking in faith because you believe his word and you will not back down. Come on, somebody. We got any mountain movers here tonight? We got anybody that's gonna move some mountains this year. Maybe somebody's gonna move a mountain this week. Somebody's gonna move a mountain this month hallelujah you coming out of egypt you coming out of the wilderness you're going into the promised land the land of abundance land overflowing with milk and honey because that is your inheritance don't settle for anything less glory to god hallelujah i'm preaching better than some of y'all responding tonight But that's all right. That's all right. God responds to faith. Not to begging, not to crying, not to a religious tone of voice, not to long prayers. The religious stand in the street corners, they pray long prayers. Jesus actually said, just tell the mountain, move. move mountain go into the sea he says he cast demons out with one word healed the sick with one word when you have authority and you have faith you don't need to pray long prayers I mean I've, I've dealt with it I'm going down <laughs> I'm going down the line praying for people I went in the name of Jesus be healed and the lady grabs my hand and goes oh pray some more sonny boy that was too short It was like she wanted this really long prayer. She thought that if I prayed a really, really long prayer that she was going to be healed. I said, lady, be healed in Jesus' name. She goes, that's too short. Pray longer. Pray some more. (laughs) Grab my hand and put it back on her head. Pray some more for me. And if I probably started to pray, you know, dearly beloved, we've gathered here today in the name of Jesus, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. She'd be like, oh, yes, oh, yes. <laughs> be healed in the name of Jesus. Take it. Receive it. It's yours. <laughs> I don't need to pray long prayers. Some people think you have to, the longer the prayer is, the more eloquent the words are, the the better God's response is going to be. God responds to faith. Hallelujah. God responds to faith in your heart. Hallelujah. When you speak it out, it becomes the spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. We believe God's word. We're going to speak God's word. We're not going to speak circumstances. We're going to speak God's word. Hallelujah. When we, say in the, when we find in the Bible, thus saith the Lord, that settles it for us. That's it. We grab a hold of that. It's ours. We make it ours. We believe it. We speak it. And we will see the manifestation of it. Hallelujah. And be careful with people that will come and speak doubt into your life. And then when you start to speak in faith, people will come like, who do you think you are? Well, I'm a child of God, full of the Holy Ghost, anointed, appointed. i got the power of the Holy Ghost in me. Hallelujah. God's going to do exceeding abundantly more than what I ask or think according to the power that's at work in me. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I have the richest measure of the divine presence. Glory to God. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm empowered hallelujah i'm strengthened with might in my innermost being i have the love of god shared in my heart by the holy ghost whom he's given me i'm a tongue talker i'm a prophesier i'm a water walker i'm a devil caster router hallelujah i'm walking by faith not by sight hallelujah i'm more than a conqueror hallelujah glory to god i have the divine nature <laughs> you want to hear some more they're probably gonna sh- oh okay 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 Who do you think you are? I'm a child of God. I'm a son. I have the spirit of sonship. I have access to heavenly treasures. He opens to me his heavenly treasure. Pours out a blessing upon me that I don't have room enough to receive. I'm under open floodgates. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed coming out. Everything I put my hand to prospers. Hallelujah. The enemies that come against me are defeated. They flee from me in seven directions. Hallelujah. He gives me a surplus of prosperity in the land he, with that, that he has given me. Hallelujah. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Hallelujah. So you need to understand who you are and you need to speak it. That's why you've got to get, get, have your identity established In who you are in Christ not your circumstances you've got to renew your mind understanding who you are in Christ and think and speak accordingly otherwise you'll just be basically led by feelings and emotions and you'll speak out what you see you'll walk by sight but you are to walk by faith not by sight hallelujah everything you see is temporary it's subject to change. Everything you see is temporary. it's subject to change. This is the temporary realm. It's not permanent, it's subject to change. All things that are in the seen realm have been created from the unseen realm. Hallelujah. That's why faith is the evidence of things not seen. I have an evidence. I, where is it? It's right here. I believe, therefore I speak. I have it. I know it. I know it in my knower. I'm full of joy. Hallelujah. And verse 25, it says, when you stand to pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. So you can see here forgiveness or forgiveness. Walking in love, walking in forgiveness is so vital because unforgiveness and offense, that, that's what messes up your heart and it actually messes up your faith. You won't be able to believe God when you're offended. You will not be able to believe God when you're offended. That's why you see people that are offended, they don't go anywhere. They're stuck. They're spinning their wheels because they, they're stuck in an offense and they can't make progress. That's why you gotta get offense out of your heart immediately. Immediately you gotta get offense out of your heart. You gotta get it, you gotta nip it in the bud, get it out of your heart. Immediately. Lord, I forgive, I release. I'm moving forward. Hallelujah. Because you know what? Everyone you hold on to in your unforgiveness weighs you down. And some people walking around, they're offended with a hundred different people. They, it's, it's almost like they gotta. They gotta they got a 100 tons on their back, and they're trying to climb a, uh, climb a mountain. I mean, come on, somebody. You're not going to get anywhere with that. You got to lighten the load, casting off every weight and sin so that you can run your race. Because we are to run our race, and you got to be light on your feet, trim down, shed the weight of the past years and, and stuff that people did or said and this didn't happen, that happened, and this one, and that one. Shed it off, shed it off, lighten the load. Lose some weight. Some people, I mean, they, they could be very skinny on the outside, but they look like 600 pounds in their spirit because they got so much offense in them. I'm telling you the truth right now. If you could see them in the spirit, they look like Jabba the Hutt. That's why they're not running the race. They're barely crawling through life because they're burning down with offense and unforgiveness. So it's very important. You see how Jesus ties that into speaking in faith. Hallelujah. Maybe, some, maybe the first mountain you got to move is the offense out of your heart. First mountain you got to move is the stuff from your past that's still following you. Praise God. Is this helping anybody here tonight? Glory to God. Because it's time to move forward. I'm really tired of seeing Christians spinning their wheels. Really tired of seeing people in the same condition year after year after year. And some of them not even in the same condition. They're going backwards. Some of them were better off five years ago. I look at him now what happened to you yeah. wow. and you have to also understand let me say this this one more time this is one more important thing is you can't just maintain if you get into like a maintenance mode you're actually going to backslide you have to always stretch your faith you, you have to your faith has to have a name yes. your faith has to always be engaged you need to if you need to always be believing god for something Something that's impossible, something that God has spoken to you about, something that's really going to cause you to stretch your faith. Hallelujah. Forgetting the things that lie behind i aim i stretch forth pressing forward forgetting what lies behind can't go back and change it it's done it is what it is let it be in the past amen faith is in the now hope is in the future be hopeful, have a expectation of a better future, and apply your faith now to see that better future manifest. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And God's going to make a way for you where there seems there is no way. He's going to make the crooked path straight. He's going to furnish a table for you in the wilderness in the presence of your enemies. Hallelujah. Your cup's going to be overflowing Hallelujah. hallelujah goodness and mercy is going to follow you all the days of your life thank you for tuning into my podcast i hope that you have been blessed i would like for you to consider two things number one subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts number two support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpv.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.